Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello. We are back with Ayers on the Road. We're always happy to be with you. We're so grateful for those of you who take the time to listen and comment once in a while. We feel like we're just talking to a computer, but we know there are a few of you out We there. try to see your faces out there, and, and Merry Christmas season to you all, and be careful. This is going to be one of the strangest Christmases ever for some of us, but if we can just get through this holiday season, Linda, and if we can stay safe and keep our families safe and especially keep all of your grandparents safe will get through this year and a new year will start and I don't think anyone is going to be too sad to say goodbye to 2020. I don't either but I'm starting to panic a little bit because I can see a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel and I'm starting to think wait did I do everything I could have I mean I've done a lot of stuff as you mean you did have. you appreciate did the... I appreciate the time that I had do I appreciate the internet enough yes we do appreciate the internet enough um, because that's our way of communication but wow you know it is a moment in time but we will get past this well, and, and I think it's what you say is really important, Linda. People who just say, oh, I just want to be back to normal. I just want to get back to where we were before March came up and before we had all these issues and before the pandemic. And I think we should want something more than that. I think we should want to get through it, but to come out better and more appreciative and more more aware of ourselves and, and to have done some reflection and some readjusting. And I... I think for many people that's how it'll be. So as we get into the spring, again, I just want to say, though, be careful during the holidays. Stay well and keep your families well. That's the important thing. It really is. Um, We'll look back on this, um, maybe not fondly, maybe in some ways. I know some some of you have been really sick. We've had family members that have had it, and um, it really is a time to remember hopefully, <laughs> with, with some, uh, you know, some excitement as well as some sad feelings. Now, we've been on this little theme of stories, telling different kinds of stories on Ours on the Road for the last several weeks, and we're going to continue with that today, and we're, we're on part three of some travel stories. And I think it's, it's either particularly inappropriate or particularly appropriate, depending on how you look at it, because none of us can travel very much right now. <laughs> We're all looking forward, many of us, to travel once, once the pandemic is over. But travel is something to tell stories about, and travel is education in a way. And we've always felt, and I know many of you parents share this, and you grandparents, when you travel, if you do it right, it is powerful education and when you can get children out of their comfort zone out of their routine out of their standard sort of paradigm they start waking up to things they start seeing possibilities they start understanding that they're citizens of a much 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 bigger world and i don't know we might have gone overboard on that i think we did and i think before we start we should say that richard did have a job i mean a real job, a nine-to-five job for a lot of years when we where couldn't I, go anywhere. Well, where I was traveling and you couldn't Well, if you were traveling, he was a political consultant all over the United States and Puerto Rico, and he was gone four days a week. And then there were times when, we, uh, when he came back and did just 
uh, have to go to the office, you know. Um, and well, so, I know what you're doing. You're apologizing. You're saying, you know, some of the travel stories we're going to tell today are not typical. I mean, they're not things that most families would do. They're things we could do because later on in life we became full-time writers and we found an interesting thing. We might as well just be honest about it. We found we got more writing done if we were working on a book or we are working on a series of articles or whatever. We actually got more done when we weren't at home than when we were. So we, right. we traveled not only for educational reasons with the kids, we traveled because it helped us with our, with our writing. I know. I mean, a lot of times I, um, when I was writing, Richard would, one Christmas he gave me Wednesdays because he could be home with the kids uh, for a few hours on Wednesdays. And, and that was fun because I really got to go out and sit in the van all day. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of times I went to a motel <laughs> um, so that I could really write and think. But this was really a, an unusual time in our lives when we really had a wonderful time. But again, the theory was if we can take our kids, if we can get them into new situations, they will it will expand their education. And we even had a motto for a while in, in our family, don't let school interfere with the kids' education. So some of the teachers, we were not their favorites because we were taking the kids out of school all the time. And we'd always say, hey, they'll write a theme on, on Bali or wherever we're going. And, and, you know, will that work for you? And so we... Well, and there, I have to say there are some advantages to the COVID because some of our kids have done a little bit of traveling, not on airplanes, but locally. We had a family that just did a four-series... <clears throat> Uh, National Park tour of Utah and just we're in the car most of the time and totally isolated because the dad could work the mom could work and the kids could go to school yeah well we may be get, we so, may be getting into a time where people have learned to work remotely in so many fields that people may have more right. chance to travel right. as families than ever before and again don't don't be dissuaded we're, we're going to sound like we're advocating that you travel more and more with your children and in a way we are <coughs> but don't be put off by the the fact well it's too expensive i can't do it you know we were thinking the other day linda Airplane travel is actually cheaper now, right now than it was deals. 40 yeah. years ago. I remember yeah. when we were graduate students in Boston, um, we were looking for tickets that would get us back to Salt Lake City on a round trip for less than $600. And you can do it cheaper than that now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. <clears throat> and one of the things that we have that makes travel so interesting now is Airbnbs. And the idea that when you go somewhere... You can actually live there for a few days. You're not in a hotel. You're not in some tourist place. You're living in a neighborhood. You're living in a building. You're living in a house. And that was our goal in traveling with our kids was to try to get them to feel like I've experienced living in Japan or I've experienced living in, in England. I, 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 I wasn't just a tourist. I was actually there. In many places, we put them in schools and we tried to let them really have an experience. Well, I think we'll we'll start by just telling you that uh, one of our main <coughs> one of our main um, objectives at first was to get our kids out of our house, our really comfy house, and go. We were lucky enough to have a little property up in Oregon, and um, we bought it through a wild series of events and so on. But we thought, let's just take those kids up there for the summer, at least for 
it was about two months uh, the first year we went two different years and we are just going to um, built a log cabin. Well, you know, that story actually started at an amusement park called Lagoon, where there happens to be a little thing called Pioneer Village, and there was a cabin there that was actually the cabin of my great-great-grandfather, Sanford Bingham, and his father, Erastus Bingham. And they raised, and that the little cabin, the actual cabin they built, was transferred there, and now it's a tourist attraction. But we got fascinated with that house, that little cabin in which our ancestors raised eight children. And we thought, wow, wouldn't it be something if we could give our children the pioneer experience of actually building a log cabin? Let's build one the same dimensions, the same size, the same loft, the same, and it wasn't very big, it was 16 by 16 had one big room and a loft. And so we had this property, like you said, Linda, in Oregon, and we went up there and it took us two full summers, but we built a log cabin with our children. We cut the trees down. We, we, we built this cabin from the forest and it was one of the great experiences of our whole life. It was, well, to be honest, we did have 40 logs brought in, right? But then we had to cut them down ourselves. Then we had, we were going to sleep, you know, skinning logs, you know, when you pick raspberries and your kid, you go to sleep and all you can see is raspberries. All we could see was those logs that we were skinning. But we had the best time. My greatest advantage was I'd never really camped out a day in my life, and I didn't know what I was in for, but we got... We found um, an old stove, a wood-burning kitchen stove. You baked muffins, oh, you cooked so on it. Oh, we had so much fun in those great uh, fires. We forgot how hard it was. Camp, All we remember is the good parts. Campfires and so on. It was really amazing. Now, we, we've illustrated what we're talking... These stories we're going to talk to you today, if you want to see pictures that go with the stories, just go on Instagram and go to Richard Linda Iyer all strung together, Richard, Linda, Iron. There's 10 photos there. And the first one is Oregon, where we're in the Blue Mountains of Oregon in this primeval forest, building this log cabin with all of our children, all nine of them. It was just an amazing experience. Not looking our best. Our, our, our two-year-old looked like he'd been rolled in honey and then <laughs> rolled in dirt by 10 o'clock every morning. He was a mess. The next story we wanted to share is one, one year we got the idea that we wanted to go live in Mexico. We wanted to, we actually thought the kids will learn Spanish if we just live in yeah, Mexico we for Mexico, a summer. Yeah. And so we, and, and we approached it a strange way. We're laughing at ourselves here. We thought, let's take a train down to Mexico. Let's, let's go down by Guadalajara. And I had been there on a, on a business thing a little bit earlier, and I had found a little town uh, up by Lake Chapala, a beautiful little lake up above Guadalajara. And I had thought, wow, this would be such a great place. So we, we rented a little condo there. And we got on it. We, we, <laughs> we first. I remember our initial idea was we were going to drive down there. We loaded all the kids in our van. We drove to Tucson, Arizona, where we had some good friends, and we stopped off there for a couple of days. And, and they were horrified when they learned we were planning to drive all the way in to Guadalajara. In those days, it was really scary. They said, "No, no, no, you can't do that." The so, banditos will get you. So the bottom line is, we got some tickets, and it cost more, and took a lot more time. Well, but we went on a train is the crazy thing. We decided, well, if we can't drive, we'll go on a train. And we got on a Mexican train 
that was an experience like none other. We got Pullman cars, and the kids were were bouncing around on these beds, and we yeah, and we, we finally made it to Mexico. But when we got there, Linda, what an experience to just live there for most of the summer and and let our kids get acquainted with the kids in this village. And what a, what a time we had. We did. I think the thing we our kids learned more than anything else is. The neighborhood little kids came over and swam in our swimming pool, and that was the best exposure they had to Spanish, and they could they could barely speak ten words by the time we went home. But it was so fun because this darling little girl had come every day in the same dress, and the last day they said, "You can jump in the swimming pool with us. Come on, come on!" And so wear your swimming suit tomorrow. So tomorrow she came back in the same dress and jumped in the swimming pool, and we realized she had no swimming swimming suit, you know. And no shoes. And on the way home, we asked Sadie, what, was, what did you learn from that? And she said, I learned that you don't have to have shoes to be happy. That's and, the kind of lessons you want your kids to learn when you travel. Yeah. Then, um, then, so the Mexico experience, we want to move. And by the way, if you're following this on Instagram, Richard Linda Iyer, the first picture is the Oregon experience. The second one is uh, this Mexican experience. And the third one you're going to turn to, the third and fourth pictures, are Japan. And what a time we had in Japan. We had the opportunity one summer to live in Japan in a little town called Kamakura. And boy, did our children learn a completely different culture just by being there, making friends, going to Japanese schools. We were welcomed by a wonderful woman whose husband was in Poland most of the time, but she invited us to their home. Uh, it was incredible that she did that, but we got into the schools. We had, you know, inside and outside shoes. We had so many We learned the tea ceremonies. We went to Shinto shrines. We went to all sorts oh, of sand Japanese. sand painting, flower arranging. This woman was amazing. We will never be able to thank her enough for that marvelous experience for us and for our kids. And so uh, pictures three and four on the Instagram page are of Japan. And then we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little about building a nipa hut out of bamboo in Hawaii and living for a little while in the Philippines. Again, trying to talk about travel stories to educate children in ways that nothing else can. We'll be right back. Hang on. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking to you about travel stories today on Ayers on the Road. Not thinking that many of you will want to duplicate some of these stories because your circumstances and situations are different, but wanting to share with you the fantastic learning experience that it can be to travel with children. And you know, Linda, it's not only the children that learn. When you travel with your kids, I think parents learn more because you you end up seeing things through your children's eyes and children are are incredible in terms of seeing and noticing and appreciating things that you would miss if you were just there by yourself yeah absolutely it really is so fun to to have the kids with us wasn't easy I remember dragging all of our stuff along along sometimes sleeping bags and all the stuff that we needed 
was a little bit crazy and each kid just had a backpack and um, I had a lot of granola bars for when the kids wouldn't eat what we were eating there but it was an amazing experience to travel so let me give you a little agenda for these next 10 minutes here we're going to tell some stories about living in in the philippines living in peru living in europe and living in bali with our children and if you are wanting to follow the illustrations on this again go to instagram and go to our most recent post on richard linda Iyer, all strung together and the next picture you'll see number five is a picture from the Philippines. We, we, we spent some time there, but we also ended up on the island of Maui wanting to build a bamboo house. Now you may say, what in the world were you thinking? Well, we'd had this experience of building a log cabin and then it had occurred to us that, you know, the, the majority of the world doesn't live in, people in third world countries don't live in log cabins. They live in bamboo houses. The most common structure in the world where families live, if you were to do it numerically, is built from bamboo, especially in tropical uh, climates. And so we had a friend that had some property that had a lot of bamboo on it, and we got the crazy idea that we wanted to spend some time there and build a bamboo house. And that was... The, the the end result was not quite no, as good not. as the log cabin. We did not get very far. We did get some concrete. We'd never used concrete before for some posts that would support, but they worked mostly on the floor. You know, bamboo uh, well, cut we in built, half. We built walls. Did it on the floor. On the floor, and we built a roof and thatched the roof. We did thatch the roof, yeah. Um, but sadly, uh, the first time we went back, which was three or four years later after that, the roof was gone. And <laughs> A big wind had come. The log cabin lasted for 20 or 30 years. The, the Nipah hut that we built lasted for about two years. Yeah, the fun story about the backstory on the log cabin is that now, it, this year, it fell over for the first time. It's been how many years? 30, oh, it's 35 been 30 years. years because yeah, yeah. Eli was Eli a baby was a when baby. we were there. And uh, it finally fell over, but our kids are going up every summer, and they are building the most fun things. They, because their childhood, what part their of their, childhood, a cherished yeah. part of their childhood. So they was take there. a you know a sprinter full of kids. Last year it was two sprinterfuls of kids, and making uh, slack lines and swings and tars and ropes and all kinds of crazy stuff that the kids have enjoyed. So we feel like that was a good. A good investment. Now, the next picture you're going to come to is, is Peru. It's Machu Picchu, which many of you have seen pictures of before. And we we took the kids there for that wonderful hike up to Machu Picchu. And we spent some time there. And an amazing thing happened, Linda. One of our children named Noah, who was 15, thought it was the most romantic place he'd ever seen. And, and tell what he did. <laughs> oh my goodness, he got to the top of that mountain, and you will see that in the Instagram. There's a big mountain there, it's about 2,000 feet above where Machu Picchu is. And he got up there and thought, oh, this is where I'm going to propose to my wife. Someday and was, when I fall in love. He was 16. <laughs> was and he 16 so, or 15? He I was, think he was 16. Okay. Anyway, he found a old bottle and he put a message in it. It said, I like you more than a friend. Will you marry me? <laughs> and he buried <laughs> he, it. Can you imagine a 16-year-old is planning when he meets the one he wants to marry, however many years it is, he's going to propose on top of Machu Picchu. Okay, so we have to... <laughs> Fast forward a lot of years and Bidar then did, did it. It was amazing. We don't have time to tell you the details, but he got to the top 
And it was amazing. This girl's like, what is going on? I wish we had time to tell you. But <laughs> He um, got her there under false pretenses, by the way. He did. And then he <laughs> got on his knee and proposed to her. And they are just so such a great couple. It's really fun story. I guess the point there is that when you when your kids travel, they will return to those places. Um, and we should mention, Linda, one of the great travel experiences, and many of you who are listening are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and you know about missionary work. And and we were lucky enough, and I, I really feel we were fortunate, that we were able to pick up all nine, well, eight out of nine of our children when they were done serving their two-year missions. We picked them up and brought them home. But before we brought them home, we traveled in the place where they had worked, where they had labored. And we took some kids with us. And we so took our we other could, kids with you us. You can't necessarily do that now and for a while. It depends <clears throat> on the mission president, but most of them welcomed us. And we were so happy to see those kids surrounded by people who loved them yeah, dearly. that's the key. To, was, to see your son or daughter who's been a missionary and who's been doing humanitarian service and giving all they've got for, for God and for God's purposes and to help other people, to be there with them for a couple of weeks or and to travel and to meet the people they've met and see where they lived and what they did, it's just a fantastic experience. And in our case, we were so fortunate because we did that in Bulgaria, we did it in Romania, we did it in Spain, we did it in England, we in did Japan. it in Japan, we in did Brazil. it in Chile, we did it in Brazil. And every time was a, you know, the younger kids or the other children seeing where their sibling had worked. So people say, how did all your children happen to go on missions? Honestly, I think part of it was they'd been to the mission field of their older siblings. And they, they saw what a powerful contribution they'd made. And I think that's what influenced the younger ones to also want it to might go. Have been. But again, everybody can't do that, especially <clears throat> right. now. So <clears throat> we did have a wonderful time. I do have to say that one of the great learning experiences in travel for our kids, and this is more than travel because we were called to be uh, to preside over a mission in England, in London, when our kids were little. Our oldest was five. Six, I think, yeah. Mm, five or five six. Five and a half, yeah. not quite yeah. six, five. And we had four <clears throat> kids. So we had a marvelous three years there, a magnificent time. We don't have time to go into that. Ten years later, we went back again because we were worried about the kids who hadn't had that experience, our little kids. And they just had a marvelous time, um, really, really loving the culture and really loving England. We've got England in our blood. In fact, we have a daughter living there right now who's been there for five years. And we go back often because it is... We are British, really. So we've ended <laughs> we up... We are, because we're relatives. We've ended up living in, in <clears throat> near, inner near London for four years now altogether, almost four years, three years on the mission, and then more than half a year one other time, and then back and forth and so on. And you know, there's and, another thing that I don't think you have a picture of. Oh, gosh. Well, pictures uh, seven and eight <clears throat> are... are uh, of Europe and England and living there with the kids. But okay, what did we so miss? we missed um, Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> oh, we missed the Africa trip. We did. Yeah. Um, we did have a marvelous time. Uh, those because we did a humanitarian trip there anyway, and then afterwards we we went on a safari with the kids, which was beyond description. And then we went to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. 
And you we know, should find a picture of that. We will. And Linda, you know, I'm a little worried that listeners are thinking, wow, this is so unrealistic. No one could travel that much with their children. I, I wouldn't want to travel that much with my children and so on. But keep in mind, what we're suggesting is that our our circumstances as writers and, and so on were a little different that gave us some opportunities to travel. And we were also traveling with our books and, and doing book tours and speaking tours and so on. But... The principle behind it, I think, is something that applies to everyone. And that is that when you can get your children out of their comfort zone and expose them to other cultures, it is a remarkable learning experience. And the cost of it is sometimes much less than you would imagine. And and you have to learn to be an economical traveler. Some of our kids have gotten better at that than we are. For example, this Christmas, one of our daughters and and her husband, they're instead of having a traditional Christmas with gifts and all the commercial aspect of it, I don't think she'd mind us saying this. They're they're going to Chile. They're going. They're flying to Santiago. They found an unbelievable bargain on tickets. I think it was two hundred. Two hundred dollars round trip to Chile, <laughs> and they're they're going to get in a car and they're going to drive down to Patagonia, one of the most beautiful parts of the whole world. Now you may say, "Wow, is that practical?" Well, guess what? The total cost of that trip will be less than if they'd stayed home and had a traditional Christmas. So we're not we're not trying to be travel advocates here as much as we are saying or don't don't eliminate yeah. the <clears throat> no matter what your economic circumstances is, don't automatically say, Oh, I can't travel with my kids, it's too expensive. Because actually it isn't. And and again, like you pointed out earlier, Linda, you don't have to go to Santiago, Chile. You can get in your car and travel down into some rural areas you've never been in you can there's all kinds of ways to make travel work as an education absolutely and and we did when <clears throat> sorry when, and I, when we traveled we did uh, <clears throat> often take books with us yeah from school and usually it was not during school time most of this is done during the summer uh, except or for Christmas when we times, lived yeah. in England for three years and then went back for another six months and put the kids in school. But it was really a, a remarkable experience. And we, we are truly blessed. We understand that. But it, you don't really need a whole lot of money to do all that. So the last two photos on the Instagram, again, Richard, Linda, Iyer, if you want to follow along with these pictures, are, are from Bali in Indonesia. And we ought to end there, Linda, because we fell in love with the island of Bali. Now, I, I, it's, a, it's a perfect prototype of a place with a culture so different that you feel like you're on a different planet. You feel like you're in a different world. And we had been there to, to do some speaking and so on. We fell in love with it. We brought our kids back with us. The last couple of pictures are of Bali. And, and we, we just, we learned so much there from the artistic sort of spiritual orientation of the people who lived there. And we you know, the bottom line is we we fell in love with it so much that we started bringing things home. We actually got an ocean container and shipped back a lot of the artifacts and the beautiful carvings and the beautiful wood, iron wood and other things. And we ended up building a house our, the house, our dream house, the house we'd always wanted to have, is essentially a ball, how do you say it? Ball- Balinese. Balinese house. Balinese. Well, actually, um, it was. this is the other end of our travel because our kids were now grown up 
and yeah, yeah. Um, the kids were, and in fact, um, I, yeah, I don't think, maybe Charity, our baby, was there just before she left for school, but most of them were all gone. They were all gone. But and we brought them back. We, we ha- Well, we have a funny story. We uh, sold our house. About that. We <laughs> sold our house that where all the kids had grown up, and, and they had been saying, no, no, don't sell the house, don't sell the house. So one time we we sold the house, and then I said, Let's, we have a great idea. Okay, we're going to call We got the kids. some good news and some bad news. This is what we're going to say. We have good news and bad news. The bad news is we sold the house. The good news is we're going to go to Bali with some of the money. We're going to use the profit from selling that house to take you all to Bali. You're going to get babysitters, leave your kids at home, and we're just going to go with you adult children and have two weeks in Bali. And, and they, that was... It was hilarious, like, oh, we don't care about the old house. We're great. We're (laughs) great. We're going. And we had the best time of our lives. It was an anniversary for us, and it was a great celebration. And that's the other kind of travel we want to advocate. You parents who are older now, and you want to take your older kids when you have a chance somewhere unique. Don't take them to some resort. Take them to somewhere where they can really learn and just be together with them and leave the grandkids home. So get out there as soon as the pandemic's over and travel. We thank you for bearing with us through this journey and we know that you have your own way of travel, but we we love you and we thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. We'll tell some Christmas stories. And so hang, hang in and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.